You're listening to Buzzing with Miss B, the coaching podcast, where we believe that every teacher deserves a coach, and every coach does too. I'm Chrissy Beltran, an instructional coach, resource creator, and coffee enthusiast. And I'm your host. Stay tuned for practical tips and honest coaching talk that will help you coach with confidence. Hey coaches, this is Chrissy Beltran, and I'm so excited that you're joining me here today for this episode. This is such an important topic that we're going to talk about. Um, as a coach, and even, I mean as a teacher, but also as an instructional coach, I never really mastered the art of working within a reasonable time frame. My hours were all kind of like suggestions to me, and so I would just work whenever I had time to work. And I stayed at work much later than my contract asked me to stay at work. And I um, was busy all of the time and really bad about doing things like getting haircuts or um, coming home and making a good dinner for myself or, you know, just spending time doing things that I enjoyed doing. And for a while, I actually felt like I didn't have very many hobbies because I, all my time was spent doing work and I enjoyed my work. You may enjoy your work too. But whenever all you ever do is work, that's really bad for yourself. You're missing out on a lot of the pieces that are supposed to make up your life, right? And especially if you have a family that's taking away from that family, that can lead to a lot of um, resentment and guilt. And if you don't have a family in your own home, but you have extended family or a friend family, um, that, that can really wear away your relationships. So today I'm really excited um, to welcome a guest who is going to help us learn about how we can better um, work with the time that we have and really focus our efforts on working smarter and not harder. And hopefully that also means and not for 65 hours a week. <laughs> so um, I'm really excited to share this interview with you today. Let's get to introducing my awesome guest. So I would like to welcome my guest. Uh, this is Angela Watson of um, the Cornerstone for Teachers and the 40-Hour Work Week. Angela, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Um, I'm really excited about this uh, conversation because I was telling my listeners that I am not very good and never have been very good about setting boundaries and working within the time that I have. So I'm, I'm so thankful that you're here to share this with us today because I'm going to guess that a lot of the people who are listening are probably not very good at this either. So um, can you tell us about your kind of your journey through education and then what you're working on now? So kind of like how you have moved through this educational world and then what you're um, most excited about that you do now. Sure. And, and, you know, don't feel like it's about you not being good at this stuff. I think teaching <laughs> is just a really complex job. And so is coaching and there, and it's always changing so much. So it's like, as soon as you get one thing down, then everything changes on you. And that's even more right. so true right now. So, it, you know, it's, a, it's a really tough balance for everyone, but it's something that I'm really passionate about. Um, it's something that I really cared about a lot as a teacher. Um, I was in the classroom for 11 years and uh, one of my favorite things was just creating systems. Like I would just, I was always wanting to tweak things and see what could I do to really maximize the time with kids and make things more efficient and effective. So um, I, I just was doing it in my own classroom. And then I started doing um, professional development around it and started, people were like, you should write a book. And so um, I did. I, I wrote my first book, just sharing what I did in my classroom. And everything just really came organically from there. Um, and eventually I moved into instructional coaching. I've worked for two different um, consulting firms in New York City, working in all five boroughs, 
And now most of the coaching that I do is online through my programs that I've created. So the main one is what you mentioned, the 40-hour teacher work week, which has around, I think, 36,000 teachers in it now um, who have completed the program. Um, we've got about 4,000 that are in this current cohort. Um, and that's a program that's really being used in schools across the country. So that's where most of my coaching is done. That's amazing. Um, and I remember reading this. I listened to your podcast for, for a few years I've listened. And I remember you shared that journey in one of your episodes. And it just was, um, it resonated with me because I had so many of those same experiences trying to figure out how to make things work well um, with what you've got. <laughs> so yep. I love that story. So why do teachers specifically, you kind of mentioned this, and, and instructional coaches as well, feel this constant expectation to work every minute of every day? What is that about? Because I know people in other you know, sectors and realms, and they do not feel like that. So how does that right. <laughs> right. Um, you know, like no one says to a police officer, well, there's still like an unsolved crime. How dare you go home and have dinner with your family, right? <laughs> like, you know, we understand that there are limits to what people in other professions can do during their time. And it just, teaching is, it's a unique job. One, it's never really done. You never really feel like you've done enough there's always something more you could be doing. Um, and I think a lot of that is because you're working with kids. It's, 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 I'm not a parent myself, but I assume it feels like that um, as a parent where it's like, there's always something more you could be doing to help and support your kids. And so it's really hard to just draw the line and say, well, I'm not going to do it when, you know, the kids that I care about are on the line. So I think you fall into this trap where you're sort of comparing yourself to all, all these other people and all these things you wish that you could be doing to support kids. So if you could only do more, then somehow, miraculously, they'd all be thriving. They'd all be on grade level or above grade level. They'd all be, you know, just doing fantastic in every area if you just work harder. And that's an impossible trap because the expectations keep getting raised and we keep moving the goalposts on ourselves. So I think what's unique about teaching is that you're not just, you're not proving that you're good at your job so you can get ahead, uh, get a promotion or get a raise. That's, that's the motivation in a lot of fields. What's on the line here is proving your dedication to kids. There's this belief that you can't do a good job by working your contractual hours. It's too much, you know, to do in this period of time. You've got to be willing to work evenings and weekends. And if you don't, if you put your own needs or your own family first, then you must not care about kids. You're not in the profession for the right reasons. And that right reasons is sort of like in, in, in air quotes there. It's meant to be like purely alt altruistic reasons. So I really want to challenge that correlation between effectiveness and hours worked. It's not how late you're staying in the building that makes a difference. It's whether you're focused on things that really make the biggest impact for kids. Mm -hmm. Yes, that's such a good distinction. I know I myself have felt that way. You sit, you're at your office and you're like, well, it's only four o'clock. What else should I do? Mm -hmm. <laughs> looking for things. Not that there isn't something always to do, but do you really need to go out looking for it? <laughs> No, that's exactly right. And it's like, you can't even give yourself permission to stop. It's like, I got through the list of the things I wanted to do, but I'm not drop in bed exhaustion, exhausted yet. I still have 5% left to give. So what else can I knock out today? And it just, it never ends. Yeah, it doesn't. And so instead of using that 5% for, like I mentioned earlier in my introduction, getting a haircut or, you know, making yourself a decent meal or taking a walk or, you know, riding a bike or something, you just give it at work and then you go home and you're like, I'm exhausted. I'm going to sit on the couch and watch. I don't know, something dumb. So. <laughs> That's right. That's it. That's the trap. I fight it every day. <laughs> so how much time does the average teacher actually work every week? And I'm assuming that coaches are probably somewhere in that same range because 
coaches, while some people feel like, oh, they have, they don't have a classroom, so they have more flexibility with their time. But because of that, they get extra responsibility. So I'm thinking coaches and teachers are probably working about the same amount of time. Yeah, I have a feeling you're right. I know that the average teacher who joins 40 hour is working, according to our surveys, they're working on average 62 hours a week. Um, with the program, they're working around 51 hours a week. So that's about 11 hours a week saving, which definitely adds up over time. Um, it's still far more than they're contracted to work, though, because the average contractual number of hours is 40, hence the name of the club. It's really about maximizing those 40 hours. With remote learning, of course, I think it's a little less clear cut because um, this past spring, some teachers were working fewer hours than normal because they weren't allowed to do video meetings. They weren't allowed to grade student work. Hardly any of their kids were engaged. And then we had others who were working 15-hour days, seven days a week, trying to make the transition. Um, some worked a lot at first, and then some were able to kind of settle into good systems after a while. So, I mean, the answer is that it varies, but in general, there's definitely been more pressure for teachers to work on evenings and weekends since the pandemic, because now we've lost those defined hours that come with face-to-face -face instruction. It's not like the bell rings, your contractual hours are over, now you get to go home. If you're working from home, it's, as you know, it was really, really easy to get, um, you know, that just spills over into your evenings and weekends really quickly. Absolutely. You have a couple minutes, you do something for your work. Yeah, or I'm going to just sit here and watch TV, so I'm going to do something for work. So yeah, you always find more time. So do you have any data on instructional coaches or support staff, or is that just kind of bundled into the teacher data? I think as a default, coaches are also working longer than their contractual hours, as you were saying. And in some ways, I think the pressure to be available in the evenings and weekends is even greater for coaches because you need to be able to support teachers outside of their instructional time. And work-life balance is a struggle, really, I think, for everyone who works in a school because schools are not fully funded. So pretty much every position in the building requires people to go beyond the job description. Everyone is trying to accomplish more than they possibly could in a 40-hour contractual work week. Yes, absolutely. And that's a very good point because as a coach, I know that I felt like, okay, there are things that I can do during the school day and things that I, need to, that I have to do after the school day because I need to do certain things when teachers are available and I need to do other things when kids are available in classrooms. So you're That's right. split up and then, then it very easily becomes, well, teachers need me, so I guess I'll be here until six o'clock every day because that's when they're free. You know? mm -hmm. um, so what are the effects of working these extended hours? Like, Why is this an issue and something we should really be aware of cutting back on? I think a lot of educators feel like, you know, they're, they're not doing a good enough job and because it's just so hard. And you wonder, like, how could it be so incredibly exhausting? How does it not get easier as I get more experience? There must be something that I'm missing. There must be something that I'm just not doing right. And we used to tell new teachers, don't worry, it'll get easier the longer you've been in the profession. But I don't know that that's true anymore. Do you? <laughs> I don't think it's true at all. I don't, I mean, I don't remember, I think I felt more confident in some things as a, you know, a teacher with a little more experienced, but I don't ever feel like it got easier. I think yes. I, just, I, I got better at things. And, but then I also got better enough to know how much more I could do and how many cool things I, I could do if I just made the time for it and how important it is to give quick feedback. And so I feel like I just added more things to my plate. Yes, you know what you don't know as you become more experienced and you realize how many things are actually missing. And then, of course, they're changing standards, they're changing curriculum, they're changing technology. So you kind of feel like you're new 
as an, you're like a new teacher all the time in one area or another. So I don't think the solution is just to sort of muddle through and hope that it will get easier with the experience. I think things will get easier, but really only marginally so. The solution really is to take charge of your experience in the profession and start analyzing what is the best use of your time and what's not and start taking some things off your plate. Really question those school norms, question the status quo. Because if the job of teaching and the job of being a coach is this overwhelming and this demanding for everyone, then it's time to reinvent the job. It's time to draw boundaries around what we will and won't do, particularly when it comes to working so many hours for free. Yes. So that's a good point. So there are some things that we're doing that are really not a good use of our time. So what are some things that teachers and maybe coaches do that take up a lot of their time, but they don't have a good return on that investment of time? I think there are a lot of time wasters with meetings and documentation and paperwork and such that teachers may not have a lot of control over. So I do recommend pushing back against that and trying to negotiate some of those expectations, but also focusing your energy on streamlining in areas where you do have control. So if you know that you're going to have to spend two hours on paperwork, it just can't be avoided. What can you simplify or take off your plate in another area so that you can carve out time for that paperwork? Mm-hmm. So one important thing is really to stop reinventing the wheel in your lesson planning and to stop grading so many assignments. I think the average teacher can really trim hours off their work week just by mastering those two things, just streamlining the way you plan and stop grading so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are huge. Um, and I think that is actually, even instructional coaches can take something away from that because um, whenever we, we plan with teachers, we can support them in doing that kind of work. Whenever we work in classrooms, we can help teachers um, focus on what's really essential and say, do we need to grade? Like, what items are important for us to grade? What is the point of grading? What are we trying to get out of grading this assignment? Um, and instead, can you stick it in a dry erase sleeve and have kids erase it when they're done so you don't feel the guilt of not grading the thing that you didn't mm-hmm. grade in the first place? Yes, that's a great practical example. Yeah, that was something I did get a little bit better over time, but it's still, yeah, it was a, like really thought, you have to go through that, that process every time. So last year, it was a really special circumstance for schools, like we talked about, you know, we're moving subtly to virtual learning and distance learning without any preparation at all. It just created a lot of stress for obviously everybody on a campus. And it also created a lot of blending of that home and school life, like we talked about. Like you work, when you work from home and you don't have a real plan for doing that, even when you do have a real plan, but especially when you don't, um, your day just kind of gets all muddled up with, well, I've got to do all these things and I will do them in the context of my home. So I'm going to do them in the context of my home life. So this year, we don't really know what a lot of the teaching models are going to look like, right? It's supposed to be we're supposedly going to have a plan, but we don't have plans. Um, the plans are changing every other day. Teachers are going to school and setting up. Coaches are supporting them. Then they're preparing for virtual learning because at any moment they're going to all end up doing distance learning anyway. Um, so mm-hmm. how can coaches serve teachers in that time but still maintain a good work-at-home balance? What does that look like? I think it has to be an intentional decision. Mm-hmm. A lot of educators were up at 11 o'clock at night answering email this past spring. Um, because they struggled to find time earlier in the day. There was so much else to do, and they felt pressure to get back to families and students right away. You know, it was at the very beginning of the crisis, and, and we had very little warning about the transition to remote learning. So it's hard to set boundaries in a crisis. So that's just, you know, that's what it is. However, I think those kinds of work habits are not sustainable. And for the coming school year, it's really going to be essential to carve out time, um, not only when you don't work, but also when you don't think about work. You're not strategizing. You're not worrying. You're not thinking up new teaching ideas. I mean, for me, my mind is always, I'm always going. I'm always thinking about, about 
teaching and learning. And I have to intentionally give myself a break. If I start thinking about it and it's something important I want to remember, I'll write it down and then try to dismiss it. But usually I'm just like, nope, stop thinking about it. It's all still going to be there another time. I try to give myself a break, um, usually from Friday evening until Sunday morning. So um, Friday night, I'm not thinking about work. I try to go all day Saturday and then at least part of the morning on Sunday. Um, You know, because there's just too many massive problems to try to solve right now. And it's not like you could just sit down for a few hours and say, well, if I work from 12 to three on Sunday, I can just figure it all out and then I can relax. It's not going to be like that this year. (laughs) We have to learn how to carve out relaxation time in the middle of the work, not when all the work is done, because it's never going to all be done this year. So dedicate that time for family, for exercise, for getting fresh air, for whatever's important to you. You know, you're not contracted to work on evenings and weekends. So you can set that evening and weekend schedule. Tell families, I respond to emails or live chat or whatever it is between 3 and 5 p.m. Or maybe it needs to be between 7 and 8 p.m. If you need to do that in the evenings for working parents or, you know, if, as a coach to accommodate teachers, that's fine. Let them know when they'll hear back from you without setting up that expectation that you're reachable 24-7 and that you'll just respond instantly. You can really set your availability. So I would say carve out that time for yourself in the middle of all the work rather than waiting till it's done. That's such a good tip. And yeah, office hours um, for coaches are going to be so important this year because, you know, the teachers, teachers do get used to you being available at, you know, at the drop of a hat. Um, they're, they, if they are used to being able to text you and email you and you have your email on your phone and you respond immediately, they do get used to that very quickly, which I, I understand because you're, we're support people. But um, yeah, whenever that becomes, oh, I have to stop what I'm doing now, jump to something on my phone, jump back to what I was doing, you've interrupted your train of thought too. And so you are now no longer, your, your maximum brain mental, mental energy is no longer dedicated to the tasks that you were doing. You, you cut it up into little pieces. So now That's it's right longer to get through your work. So yeah, if you don't, if, if emails are interrupting your life all the time, whether you're working or you're supposed to be resting, um, then it's going to, you're going to end up taking twice as long on your other tasks. So that's a very good tip, setting office hours and a dedicated time to respond to email. I'm bad at that too. I respond to email all the time. <laughs> it's all mm-hmm. the time. And I think having a dedicated time would help me really um, think, okay, I'm going to get to that and that will be okay. Mm-hmm. So is that setting, having your kind of your schedule and your routine times whenever you don't think about uh, work, is that the biggest thing that you've done to make an impact on your, on your time use? Or is there another tip that you can give us that would be equally helpful? Another thing that's really helped me is um, to stop writing off a block of time as being too small to get things done. So I used to say, you know, well, I have to, you know, hop on the Zoom meeting in 15 minutes, so I'll just check Facebook or I'll just, you know, do do whatever that isn't really that meaningful. But actually, when I know I only have 15 minutes, sometimes I can get more done than if if I have 45 minutes because I know I can't waste time. So I try to keep a list of things. I, list making really drives everything that I do. I always know what needs to be done. So I sometimes have stuff that's on there that's like easy stuff. So that's stuff that can just be knocked out in a couple of minutes. So if I find myself waiting for an appointment or I'm waiting for dinner to finish cooking or something, I can pick something from that list. And then I'm not expending that mental, mental energy trying to figure out what needs to be done. And I'm not wasting that time. So, you know, most educators, I think, just don't have long blocks of uninterrupted time to get things done. And if you tell yourself that's the only time that you can do stuff, you're going to just be perpetually frustrated. So try to save those long blocks of time for the really deep work, like lesson planning, 
um, you know, the really big picture things that you really need to get lost in your thinking and really be absorbed in the task. And then the rest of the stuff, you know, email, paperwork, you know, lesson preparation materials, that sort of thing. You can do a lot of that stuff in smaller blocks of time and they really do add up. Yes. That's such a good point. You know, I, I've had to really change my thinking around that lately as well. Um, I used to have um, a wonderful babysitter who we love that my daughter would go to twice a week for about six hours during the day. She would stay there, she'd take her nap, she'd play, and then she'd come home. And I would work so hard <laughs> during that time frame um, so that I could be done whenever I went to pick her up. But now with, you know, coronavirus, COVID-19, I'm not taking her anywhere. She's not seeing anybody else. And so I have her here with me all the time. So I've had to change my, for the longest time, I was like, well, I can't do big things because I only have maybe an hour and a half before she wakes up in the morning. And then I have maybe two hours during the nap on a good day. So, I mean, I just, I'm, I'm going to have to put off doing big things. And then March passed and April passed and May passed and it was still mm. thing. And I was like, well, I guess I'm going to have to figure out how to do big things whenever I only have a couple of hours a day. Mm. I have to do that. And it completely, and, and I have, I have, it's, you know, everything's working and we're doing okay. And I'm able to produce about the same quantity of work that I was doing before and the same big projects that I was doing before, but I didn't think I could do it because I was used to working in long chunks and I had to shorten that time frame and do it in little pieces. So yes. I totally agree with that. You just, you kind of have to work with what you've got and maximize the time that you have and don't let that limiting belief, I guess they would call it, um, interfere with the work that you can accomplish during that time. That's such a good point. That's right. Yeah, I like that. So um, can you walk us through the basic principles of the 40-hour workweek, which is this program that you've created to support um, teachers in kind of re-envisioning, right, and changing the way that they approach their, their, their time management, I guess? That's right. It's about finding a sustainable way to teach. I mean, there's lots of effective ways to teach, but many of them will burn you out after a couple of years. So how can we do this if you want to be in this for the long run and pace yourself, you know, and, and become a better educator over time instead of trying to do everything all at once. So um, 40 hour is a year long program. Um, and it's not designed for instructional coaches specifically, but we do have a lot of coaches in the group who utilize the materials and find it really useful. So we, we explore one aspect of teaching each month. And I share PDFs, audio, um, and printable forms and templates to help folks streamline in that one area. So that way we're not trying to change everything all at one time. And you have a whole month to kind of experiment with different strategies. And this year there's also remote and hybrid learning bonuses to support teachers who are doing that. So, um, you know, it's, it's, I think it's important to provide ongoing support to teachers. And to me, that's really what the difference is to be what you need in October is different from what you need in January, which is different from what you need in April. And I think it's easy to just read a book or to listen to a podcast or something one time and get the ideas, but coming back and implementing them on a regular basis, you have to be continually thinking about this kind of stuff and talking it through with like-minded people and making it a part of your daily practice. So that's really my vision for teachers to help make this something that they're thinking about on a daily basis and just you know, it's a lifelong journey. It's, it's always reflecting on how you're using your time and what makes the biggest impact. Yeah, that's really great. It's, um, it sounds like a really awesome community to be a part of. And so some of the, like the foundational beliefs, I'm, I'm assuming something along the lines of, um, that you can do, be an ethical teacher and do a good job, but still max, like not spend your whole life teaching. I'm assuming that one of the, one of the um, guiding tenets maybe is something along those lines. 
That's right. Yeah. I mean, there's there's lots of core principles that we return to over and over. Some of them that we've already talked about. Um, some others involve um, being really careful about multitasking, which is something that you touched on here about, um, you know, not trying to do two things at one time and then you're, you know, you're trying to focus on too much at once and everything just ends up being slower and, and poorly done. So really being intentional about that. Um, thinking really carefully about your breaks. So it's easy to let 15 minutes go by just popping into a coworker's room to chat or something like that. But really being intentional about when do I want to start working and when do I want to stop working. Um, another thing that I try to help um, teachers do that would also be applicable for coaches is thinking about a target number of hours that you're willing to work. Um, planning it out in advance and saying, okay, I can come in two hours early on these days. I can stay an hour late on these days and I'm willing to give up three hours on my Sunday. That's a total of, let's say 50 hours. So let's make that my target. I'm going to map out my schedule and I'm going to know in advance when I go into school two hours early, here's what I'm going to work on. I'm not going to just walk around my classroom and chat and eat breakfast and hang out. I have these specific things. I'm going in two hours early for this reason. I'm going to do these things and then I'm done. And if it's not done during that time, then it's not, it's just going to have to wait till the next time period because I've, I'm only willing and able to give up 50 hours to work this week. I cannot do 80 hours. I just can't do that this week. So I'm going to do the most important things. I'm going to map it out. So I know what to do. I'm going to have my target number and I can be flexible with it. it you know, sometimes we underestimate or unexpected things catch up to us that we weren't expecting, but the idea is that you're not just staying at work until it's all done or keeping the laptop open until all the work is finished. It will never be finished. You decide when it's done. Ooh, that's empowering. <laughs> <laughs> so if people only walk away from this episode with one idea, what should it be? Should it be one of those things you just said? <laughs> you know, I think that is important. And I think also it's important to remember that we got to think about impact, right? Figure out where you can make the biggest impact for teachers and kids this year as a coach mm -hmm. and put the majority of your effort in those areas. So this year in particular, don't try to solve all the problems for all the people. And I am talking to myself here too, because I want to fix everything right now. I am so frustrated that every teacher is dealing with a million different problems that I can't fix for them. And I think that is going to be the story of every coach this year. It's like, I want to fix this for my teachers. I want to make it all better. And we can't. And you will probably be asked to do a lot of different things this year that don't feel especially important or meaningful or effective. So it's important to have your own goal, something that you can focus on, even if it's something small that you know makes a really real and meaningful difference. So find something to do this year for your teachers and the kids and the people you're passionate about supporting, something that gives you a real sense of satisfaction and do that thing to the best of your ability so that you have something to hold on to when it feels like everything else is out of your control. That is such good advice. And that would also help you feel accomplished by the end of the day so you don't just spin your wheels doing stuff because you know you did something important. That's right. Because you can easily fill your whole day just doing paperwork and, you know, lunch duty and all this other stuff that doesn't really feel meaningful. But if you know your goal, if you know your area that you're really big on making an impact, and it could be relationships, you know, it couldn't, may not be something tangible. It could be those connections with teachers or kids or encouragement. If you know that you're focused on that and you're showing up and you're making an impact in that way, that day is going to feel really rewarding. Even if you had to do a lot of tasks, it just didn't feel like you were able to make a big enough difference the way you wanted to. Yes, absolutely. Which some days feel that way <laughs> for coaches. That's and right. 
said more so this year, um, whenever we can't even really say what the year's going to look like. Mm-hmm. So how can people find you online? And then um, can you share a little bit about how, what the process is to join your program? Sure. So um, I have a podcast called Angela Watson's Truth for Teachers. So I know that your listeners are into podcasts. That's a good way to connect with me and learn about some of my ideas. My website, my website is called thecornerstoneforteachers.com. So I've got lots of blog posts and articles and things like that there. In terms of 40-hour, we recently closed the doors. The cutoff date is always July 15th. But that's because usually teachers are ready to start planning for the new school year by July 15th. And this is such an unusual year. It's just really hard to make commitments and everything feels uncertain. So I know a lot of folks were not ready yet back in early July. They just didn't have the answers they needed from their districts. So we are experimenting with ways to let folks get in the group a little closer to the start of the school year. And of course, any of your listeners who are just finding out about this program are welcome to join at the link that you share. Oh, great. Awesome. That's wonderful. I'm so glad that you're opening that up because like you said, a lot of people are figuring out right now, you know what, I'm going to need some help this year. (laughs) Yes, they're not alone. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. And then yes, I will um, share that link with you just a moment. I do want to thank you so much um, for joining us today, Angela. This has been an excellent conversation. I'm so thankful. And I really hope that um, the coaches take this information and apply it to their work because they absolutely are going to need to feel Um, grounded this year. And I hope that some of these ideas will help them feel that way. Thank you so much, Chrissy. I appreciate it. All right. So coaches, you can get the 40 hour work week from Angela Watson. If you go to buzzingwithmissb.com slash 40 hour week, that's buzzingwithmissb.com slash 40 hour week. And that'll take you to the site where you can register for Angela's incredible program and learn more about using your time well, and not living your whole entire life at school. Happy coaching. Thank you for listening to Buzzing with Miss B, the coaching podcast. Want more coaching ideas? Check me out at buzzingwithmissb.com and on Instagram at buzzingwithmissb. If you love the show, share it with a coach who would love it too, or leave me a review on iTunes. It's free and it helps others find this show. Happy coaching.